Welcome to the Kingdom Life Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Nilsson, speaker, author, and yes, life coach. We live in a noisy world with a million external influences vying for our attention. This is the space where we can quiet the noise, sort out our thoughts through honest conversation, and discover what it looks like to take aligned, faith-filled action in a world of endless possibilities. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is Megan Nilsson. I'm glad you are joining me once again. And this might be an episode that many of you have been waiting for because the past couple episodes I've been talking about journaling with God, sharing your heart and your soul and your thoughts and your questions with Him, releasing all the things that are kind of keeping you stuck, frustrated, captive, and asking the Lord to speak over your life, to invite him to share his perspective, reframe some of those lies, and bring you freedom with truth. And in the last episode, Writing as Worship, I ended the episode by telling you that I was going to hop on this week and really address this conundrum of when God seems silent. So I'm going to give you three questions you can ask yourself when you're in those seasons of kind of doldrums and silence and you keep asking God questions and you really don't feel like you're hearing an answer. So I'm going to give you a few questions that you can take away from this episode, but I want to start by telling this story and it is not my original story. I grabbed it from a guy named Bill Galtier. Hopefully I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not butchering his name. He's the founder of Soul Shepherding and, and he was telling the story that he had found some other way of a journalist who was interviewing an old Jewish man at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. And day after day, this particular journalist would watch as the old man came to the wall three times a day. He was astonished at his persistence and his fortitude. And eventually the journalist decides to go and see if there's a publishable story inside this wall. What is going on with this man that faithfully, dutifully, day after day, goes to the wall to pray. And the story goes like this. It says, the journalist went down to the wall, introduced himself and said, you come every day to the wall. What are you praying for? And the old man replied, what am I praying for? In the morning, I pray for world peace. And then I pray for the brotherhood of man. I go home, have a glass of tea, and I come back to the wall to pray for the eradication of illness and disease from the earth. The journalist was taken aback by the old man's persistent prayers for many people. You mean you've been coming to the wall to pray every day for the needs of people around the world? The old man nodded. How long have you been coming to the wall to pray for these things? The old man became reflective and replied, how long? Oh, maybe 20, 25 years. The journalist was amazed. How does it feel to come and pray like this every day for 20 years? How does it feel, replied the old man? It feels like I'm talking to a wall. And I laughed because in all honesty, prayer and persistent communication with God can often feel like you're talking to a wall. We are living in a, in a space that we cannot see, right? We cannot see God in the way that we might imagine. And so it might feel like we are praying, thinking these prayers, and they're just sort of eternally spinning out into space. And who's receiving this prayer? 
how do we even know if God is hearing it and it feels like he's silent? And you know, in scripture, Jesus tells us to ask and seek and knock and keep asking and seeking and knocking. But when you do that and nothing, there's no discernible response, just empty silence, what do you do? You know, I I truly believe that all of our relationship have natural ebbs and flows, right? For those of you who've been married for a long time, I've been married for almost 28 years. What in the world? It's natural to feel closer to someone in certain seasons and maybe a little more distant in other seasons. But does that mean that you are no longer in relationship with that person? Does that mean if you're married, you are no longer married? No, it just means that there's a time of distance and we might feel this way with God in some ways. That in some seasons of our life, maybe in a, in a dark night of the soul, you, you, maybe you actually feel really close to God because you're clinging to him, you're abiding in him, you need him for nourishment, and every single breath that you take is coming from him. And there might be other seasons when you feel dry and distant and silent, and I just want to say to you today that that does not mean that God has left you. Of course not. It does mean, however, that you may need to adjust your posture, shift your positioning, and expand your perspective. So maybe what feels silent to you in this moment is limited perspective, a limited understanding of what's actually going on. And again, the idea of journaling with God or praying with God might seem like you're talking to a wall. In fact, I've had people be really excited about this journaling and then they buy the journal and the journal sits on the desk, not doing anything. Have you ever bought something that you intend to use and you're super excited about it, but why? Why don't you open the box? Why don't you use that machine? Why don't you open this journal? I think for many people, They love looking at this journal. They love the idea of journaling with God and talking with God in this way, but they're afraid that once they get past, you know, letting out their thoughts, releasing their internal world, releasing their questions to God, that there's just going to be silence. And they're going to get to that page in the journal where they're supposed to receive God's instructions, God's words, and there's going to be nothing. So that fear keeps people stuck. And it keeps them from not even opening the book, not even trying it. You might have trouble accessing God's thoughts or believe that you can't access God's thoughts. And if that's the case, I want you to go back to the Mythbusters episode where I'm talking about the myths that we need to bust about hearing from God. And I'll drop that episode in the show notes for you to go back and listen to that. But again, my man, Dallas Willard, I love him. He's an amazing theologian and the author of of Hearing God. He's an expert on the subject of hearing God's voice. And even he admits that sometimes he doesn't hear and doesn't feel like he's hearing God. He might feel as if he is speaking to a brick wall. What does he encourage us to do in those moments? This is Dallas Willard's advice. If you hear nothing else today, (laughs) this is a key writer downer. He says, go back to what you know. So maybe you need to start back at square one and ask yourself the question, what do I know for sure? And if you are a person of faith, may I suggest that you start with the two greatest commandments. Here are two things that you know for sure that God has made very clear in scripture scripture throughout the ages. Number one, 
the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment, and it's the most important. You can find that in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 38. And number two, what's the second thing you know for sure? The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. When you don't know what to do, when you feel stuck, frustrated, like you're living in some sort of vacuum and cavern, go back to what you know. Love God and love people. These are simple instructions. They don't always come to us in an easy way. They're not always easy to walk out, right? If you have questions about how do I love God well, how do I love people well, I think author Bob Goff is an amazing expert on the subject of loving people well. He has two books that I would recommend everybody always and love does. He's got some crazy over-the-top stories. I think he's one of the most bananas human beings on the planet, but he loves people well. And what he's talking about in his books is if you feel stuck in your own world, why don't you do this? Why don't you step out your door and go love someone else, go serve someone else, go connect with somebody else? And that is enough many times to shift and renew your perspective pretty immediately, right? This concept seems simple. As I'm saying it to you right now, you're like, okay, I get it. But it's the execution of these commands that is a whole other story. It's the execution and the follow and the follow through of walking out this life of faith that is the tough part. And that's why we can write books and create podcast episodes and have conversations and Bible studies because from our first breath to our dying day, we're going to be wondering how do we walk this out? How do we walk out real faith in our real actual life? And maybe Maybe you're in a season where you have been pleading with God for an answer to something. Maybe for quite some time you've been asking him about a job or a relationship or a lifestyle, something that's going on in your life, and you you feel like you do not have any discernible response. You are most likely in a listening season. What would it look like for you to trust God that he will bring wisdom, revelation, that he will bring you your next steps when the time is right? Timing is everything in the kingdom of God. Timing is everything. And I think about, you know, when Mary and Martha are grieving over the death of their brother Lazarus in Matthew chapter six, it says the key about timing is to give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. I'm reading from the message version. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So one of the keys to walking out this life of faith is to stay in the present moment, to not get wrapped around the axle and get stuck in what my counselor calls a vain imagination, thinking of things, conjuring things that may or may not happen, but they aren't actually true. So back to the story, we're going to find this in John chapter 11, actually. So Mary and Martha are sending word to Jesus, letting him know that that his friend, their brother, is gravely ill and he is dying. And in the next verse, from 11, verse 3 on, we see that Jesus, he gets the message. He hears the message. But he does not immediately turn and go to the family. He actually waits two more days, staying exactly where he is. Why does he wait? Can you imagine being on one side of this this telephone line, right? 
this messaging line. So here are Mary and Martha. They are on one side of this. They are scared and they are grieving and they are worried that he's going to die. They're sending their message to Jesus. Jesus gets the message. We know this to be true, but he does not respond right away. So from their perspective, from the perspective of the sisters, they're thinking, okay, I sent the message. What's going on? I imagine when, when, when we text somebody, you know, when you text somebody and it's just such a a real problem in our day, we expect immediate response. That's the thing about texting. But you, you, you send your text and if you have it set on a certain setting, you can see if it was delivered and you can even see if it was read. So I don't like to have those settings. I just like to send it or receive it. We don't need to be like diving into the details there about when somebody reads something. But anyway, you can tell if it was read. And if you don't get a response, you're thinking, okay, you read my text. What's going to be your response? And every once in a while, you see those little bubbles come up on in the text thread as well, right? They're thinking, they're writing. And what is that feeling like for you when you're seeing those bubbles come up and you're thinking, what is this person going to say? And then all of a sudden, the bubbles just disappear. And you're like, wait, they were thinking about something. They were going to say something and then they didn't. So I imagine that Mary and Martha are like, okay, we know that you got the message, Jesus. We can rely on our messenger. And yet you are not coming. You're not coming quickly enough. And we know that Jesus gets this message. And in John chapter 11, verse four, it says that Jesus responds, he says, his sickness will not end in death. So Jesus receives the message. He prophesies over the outcome. It will not end in death, but will bring great glory to God. And as these events unfold, the son of God will be exalted. So Jesus, in a divine knowing, divine timing, understands the gravity of the situation, but he also knows that the way this is going to play out, the way that this is going to come about in the earth is actually going to be deeper. It's going to bring greater glory to God than the sisters can even imagine, but they don't know that at the time. So they're sitting in that silent space, like they're praying to a wall and nothing is happening. So just because there's no immediate resolution or response to our problems does not mean that God doesn't hear us. We can tell very clearly from scripture that he does hear us and his timing is sovereign. There's always more to the story than meets the eye. So if you feel like you are in a silent period of life, a silent season, I want you to understand that there is more than meets the eye. There's more happening here that you just don't know. You just don't see. We just don't see it. And if God seems silent, it's important to remember also that there's no one way that he speaks to us all the time. Maybe he's changing it up and his divine timing is going to be absolutely essential Maybe it feels like he's silent because you are listening for one mode of communication when in fact God can speak in many different ways. So sometimes it's about opening up your eyes, opening up your ears to be paying attention to all of the things around you and asking God how he's speaking through circumstances, through songs, through scripture, through other people's testimonies, through whatever it's going to be, signs and wonders, right? There's lots of ways that he can talk to us. So maybe there's more for you to learn and experience as you mature and get ready for the next season. 
So it's also quite possible that he's silent or seems silent because whatever is coming, it's not ready for you yet or you are not ready for it maybe is a better better way to say it. You know, when we have young children, we don't leave them alone. They are not ready to be left alone on, on their own. We guide them and we nurture them. And as they mature, they get more roles and responsibilities. When our kid is 12 years old and think that they can go drive the car, we're not likely to hand them the keys. We're likely to say, you know what? I hear you. I hear your requests, but it is not time. You need to mature in order for me to give you what you want, in order for me to answer this question in the way that you want. So God is gracious and he gives us a lot of agency in determining our own path in life. I really do believe that. This doesn't mean that we're on our own, just trying to figure it out. No, far from it. He never leaves us and he never forsakes us. This is also a key truth of kingdom living, of the gospel. But he does develop us. He does test us and he invites us into maturity along the way. When we live by the word, immersed in the word and listening to the voice of God, we know that we can develop this awareness. This is like a skill, a muscle, being aware of God. We have to develop it. We have to work it. We have to work at it. It doesn't just always come. So this is part of the internal work. This is part of paying attention to what you're paying attention to so that you can begin to hear that still, small whisper of God. Many times, you know, if God seems silent, sometimes the very best thing to do is just to make the wisest decision that you know to make at that moment. Our oldest son just graduated from college and he's moving to the Bay Area and he's been looking for apartments. And I don't know, I've never lived there. He's never lived there. So from afar, we are guiding him and he's going and he's touring apartments and he's talking to managers and he's, he's about to make his first very adult decision, put down money and begin to pay, might I add, massive amounts of rent for an apartment. And yet, you know, he's asking us, what should I do? How do I know which apartment to choose? And this was the exact advice that I gave him. I said, do the best, make the best decision with the information that you have. Trust your gut and know that nothing is perfect. And if you make a mistake, there's going to be a lesson there. There's going to be growth for future plans of redemption and maturity. But sometimes we just need to move forward, trusting that God's with us in our current reality with the information that we have. You know, it's just so fascinating to me that we want sign after sign and thing after thing. And God's like, I've told you, (laughs) I've already told you, you know, the answer to this. So do the best, you know, with the information that you have, you can trust that. And if I always am praying like, Lord, I'm about to move forward in this particular area. If there's something I don't know, if there's something that I'm blinded by, would you put a barrier there? Would you put something in my way that would stop this from happening? And if you allow this to happen in my life, if you allow this decision to move forward, then by all means, I'm going to trust that you're allowing it. You are with me and we're going to, we're going to grow and we're going to move forward from here. So, you know, Father Abraham He's a great example for us as well. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says that by faith, 
when he was called to go out to a place that he was going to receive an inheritance, he went out, here's the key part, without knowing where he was going. So God had given Abraham a promise. Abraham knew that he was to step out in faith and that the the generations would come from him. And so he stepped out in obedience, not knowing where he was going. That is part of kingdom living. We don't always know where we're going, but we know who is going with us. We know who we are following, that we are following the good shepherd and that we can trust him. God will often light our very next step. It tells us in the Psalms that he lights our steps, but we rarely get the whole roadmap all at once. So just take the next right step and the next right step. I, as a firstborn, you guys have heard me talk a lot about this on this podcast. I love to know the rules. I love to know the rules of play, where we're headed, what the expectations are, but that is not really how life works. In fact, sometimes it's more fun, there's more joy, there's more energy and interest when we don't know where we're going. And we pull off on the side of the road and we have to relook at the map and we have to adjust. This is just part of living. But okay, if you're still stumped and you're like, okay, Megan, you've talked long enough. At the beginning of this podcast, you promised me that there's three things you're going to share with me. Three things that I can consider when I come to a roadblock or perceived silence from God. So here we go. Grab your pencil open up your notes in your phone. Here's the first thing. Number one, if you are in a silent season, you feel like God's not talking to you. Number one, change the question. Is there another question that you could be asking? So when I I think about my kids, they might ask me a million times over if they can do something. And I've already said, no, I love you, but no, you are not going to that party. I love you, but no, you are not staying home alone. I love you, but no. And so they keep asking me the same dang question. And I think sometimes God's like, you know what? You've asked me the question. I've actually told you no. And you think I haven't answered you because you don't like the answer. So sometimes you're just barking up the wrong tree. And the other possibility is that you're not even asking a question at all. You're just ask, You're just basically telling God what you want him to do. I remember when I was going through parenting classes and stuff, one of the key phrases that I learned as a parent was to, when my kids were just badgering me and badgering me about something, I would say, are you asking or are you telling? So the first thing I want you to think about is, are you asking God an actual question and ready to receive the actual answer? Or are you telling him something that you want telling him that you want him to act in a certain way and he's not doing that. He's not acquiescing to your your request. So therefore you think he's not answering you. So number one, change the question, shift your perspective. Are you asking or telling? That's something to consider in these moments of silence. Number two, consider that God already told you what to do. This kind of goes with my point number one. So Maybe you've received an answer already and you just don't like what you've heard. Just like my children, it's hard for them to hear no. But perhaps God's already told you something. He's already told you to move out in a certain way, to refrain from moving in a certain way, and you don't like the answer. And so you're like, well, let me just ask it again. So maybe some of the reason that he seems silent is because he's already told you what to do and you don't like the answer. Yep. That gets real, doesn't it? Okay, the third thing is this. God trusts you. You've been walking with him for a long time. 
you've been growing, you understand his love, you're following him and you've met, you've passed, so to speak, many tests already in your life. You've honored him, you glorify him along the way, and he gives you the authority to live and move and have your being in him. So not only does he call you his child, but he calls you his friend. He trusts you, you know what to do. He trusts that he's given you a sound mind. We walk in love and sound mind. And so maybe he's saying, listen, the reason that it seems silent is because you have everything you need. You already know what to do. And I trust you. So move forth with my blessing. So these are three things that I think you could consider that might help you understand in a more robust and a deeper way. This I, When God seems silent, Maybe it's something else. Number one, maybe you need to change the question. What else could you be asking? Number two, God already told you what to do and you might not like it. Number three, God trusts you and he's given you all the encouragement and support and guidance to move forward as you see fit. So you know what? I mean, in all reality, sometimes we don't ask because we just don't want to hear the answer. And I can relate to that so, so much. There's times I notice my kids, again, my kids, God bless them. I can see their wheels turning in their head. I can see them, like maybe I'll be making dinner or something and my kids will walk into the kitchen and they'll kind of be loitering, right? They'll be kind of loitering and I see their wheels turning in their head. I might even hear them like maybe a big sigh like, or something like that. And I'll turn to them and I'll say like, is there something, something you want? And they'll kind of look down and be like, no, no, never mind. Because they know the culture around our house. They know that what they want is probably something that I'll say no to. And I think that sometimes I respond, I, I interact with God that way too. I'm like, you know what? I really want to. Oh, never mind. I know God well enough. I know scripture well enough. I know <laughs> what God wants and how he has, has orchestrated this world. And honestly, what I'm thinking about what I want really does not fall in line with kingdom living and what the gospel, how the gospel is meant to be lived out. So I'll close with this. You know, I love my Oswald Chambers and he has a fantastic quote that really gets at this idea of when Mary and Martha are waiting for Jesus to to respond when their brother is deathly ill. And, And Oswald Chambers writes this. He says, when you cannot hear God, you will find that he has trusted you in the most intimate way possible with absolute silence. This is not a silence of despair, but one of pleasure because he saw that you could withstand an even bigger revelation. When Mary and Martha sent word that their brother was ill, Jesus waited. He knew that a bigger revelation was coming. He knew that they could withstand, that he could trust them with an even bigger revelation. So I wonder if that is true for you today. Maybe the reason that you are not hearing God in the way that you expect is because he's giving you a moment of silence because he is preparing you to have an even bigger revelation of of him, an even deeper experience of his glory and his manifestation on the earth, that he's going to bring about a miracle in your life that you would not have even been able to dream up if someone told you about it. So I love you guys. I know that God is speaking to you. It's just a matter of shifting your perspective, 
changing the question, recognizing that he speaks in many different ways and opening up yourself, opening up your heart to get back at it and do it again, to not give up. This sweet Jewish man was going to the wall every day and praying. Why? Not because he knew that there was going to be some external or internal feeling necessarily, but he knew, he knows that there's a God in heaven that hears him and he's going to be praying. The same thing with David in in Psalm 5 verses 1 through 3. I'll leave you with this. David says, Oh Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For I will never pray to anyone but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and I wait expectantly. So if you are in a season of silence or it seems like it's silent, may David be a great example to you. What did he do? He got up every morning and he did it again. He knew who he was praying to. He did not sway and start praying to another, start believing in another. He knew that the Lord would hear his voice and every morning he would bring his requests and wait expectantly. So throughout the rest of the summer, I'm going to be unpacking what it looks like to journal with God, what each of the steps are in this beautiful exchange journaling. But for now, I want to leave you with a prayer of expectation. So I'm believing with you and for you that God is trusting you for an even bigger revelation. I cannot wait to hear what it is. Track me down. I want to hear those testimonies. All right. Love you guys. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening. If this episode challenged or inspired you, I would be honored if you would rate it and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts so others can hang out with us too. If you'd like to connect at a deeper level, you can find me on Instagram at Megan underscore Nilsson or head to my website, meganbnilsson.com and schedule a free curiosity and connection call. Let's keep the conversation going.